All right, as a kid, I used to love when my parents would sit down and play a game with us or do any activity. And right here in our hands, we have the KiwiCo box, which is the activity of all activities for young kids. The colorful chemistry set, to be specific. So with Drew and Jet and Bear, we try to have really intentional playtime. And that's hard because they're all different ages and kind of in different developmental kind of phases of life. I love with KiwiCo that each month we get boxes specific to their ages and kind of like the activity development phase that they're in. So each box, this one's the colorful chemistry set. Um, this has to do with science, but especially with Bear, it can be really hard with a four month old to know like how to interact with him where he needs to be at four months old. And I love in these crates, they actually have cards that say, here are activities or things you can do specific to Bear that will help him identify colors or whatever it is. I love KiwiCo. There's always something new for kids to discover, like learning about the science of ice cream, engineering robots, or doing science experiments, which our kids have loved yes. recently. Sean is currently holding, as she said, the Colorful Chemistry Kit, which has provided hours of entertainment for our kids. They look forward to their new crate every month, and this one kept him really engaged. We got to experiment with mixing oil and water, mixing different colors, and watching how different things react. It was so fun. We basically created our own little chemistry lab with the kids, and we could feel their excitement when they got to play around and mix things together. Plus, it barely made a mess, so it was really quick to clean up and to use again another day. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep your children engaged, challenged, and off their screens, but KiwiCo does the work for you, so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. Redefine learning with play. Explore projects that build confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month of any crate at KiwiCo.com when you use code COUPLE. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com. Promo code COUPLE. It made me fear that finances would hurt Andrew and I. Not in like the value of it, but just in the idea. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Today, we are talking about a much requested topic which is money and relationships and all of the, I would just say drama that comes with that. So quick fact for you. In a survey by Ally Bank, 36% of couples reported that money was the biggest source of stress in their relationship. Okay. And on the other hand, 87% of survey respondents who described their marriage as great said that they worked with their partner to set long-term financial goals compared with just 41% of respondents who deemed their marriage okay or, quote, in, in crisis, crisis, which which is not, it's not a great, you know, place to be if your marriage is, quote, in crisis. No. But uh, no. obviously money is an important topic. And um, how do you approach it as a, as a couple is something that is not often talked about. So Sean and I wanted to kind of, share some stats with you, some things that we found helpful, some things that we talked about, and then also kind of our approach to it. Not that we're perfect by any means, but um, we have put... We've had a very, a lot of very unique money situations in a relationship, I feel like. Yeah. So I feel like we've kind of gone through a lot of it. Again, not that we're professionals, but we just have different 
viewpoints maybe that could help. Yeah. And we should say starting off here, if you have any type of financial advisor in your life, um, definitely seek their advice over just our kind of broad thousand stroke advice. (laughs) Um, but we hope you find this helpful nonetheless. But before we get started, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a rating uh, on whatever platform. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. So let's start off when we were dating, Sean. Yes. Everyone knows that finding the perfect t-shirt with like the quality and the fit is near impossible. I told you guys that I found skims while I was pregnant and now postpartum, I found the best nursing bra known to mankind from skims. Well, they've outdone themselves again because they now have the perfect t-shirt, especially postpartum with a changing body. I can guarantee you, you won't find a t-shirt like it. I love also that Skims has a fit for everyone from the long t-shirts to the cropped. They truly have like sizes and qualities and styles for every single thing you could want. So the cotton jersey t-shirt is the one that I'm talking about. It is an absolute staple. I feel like I'm reaching for it literally every day, especially nursing with bear. It's breathable and soft and it somehow gets even softer and still holds its shape after every wash. If I could only recommend two of the Skims t-shirts, I would say the cotton jersey t-shirt, which I have in mineral, or the boyfriend t-shirt, literally in any color, are probably my two favorite t-shirts that they make. Shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes extra, extra small to 4X. After you place your order, select podcast in the drop down menu, select couple things to let them know we sent you. Have a good one. How did we approach money? So one of the hardest um, things I think for, for us when we first started dating was understanding and dealing with the fact that we are both in very different phases of life. Mm-hmm. So Andrew was in college, living in a dorm room, living college life, right? Yeah, yeah, probably on like a $250 a month budget. Yes. Um, to be honest. I had already completed an entire career. I owned my own home. I traveled by myself. So for us, going straight into dating was this learning curve of how do we balance this out and make it work? Yeah, and I think, you know, the point of all that is to say, it's a pretty common occurrence that people come into a relationship with different backgrounds uh, in all different senses of that word, but financial, financially as well, uh, certainly. And that was our case where Sean turned pro when she was 12 years old and had a career that then she that she retired from at age 22 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just about to start mine. So um, we were definitely in different phases of our career, as you said. But I do think that um, in dating, we didn't we didn't really like look under each other's uh, financial hood, if you will. Like we didn't we didn't necessarily dig into each other's finances. We did, I think, uh, respect each other in realizing that okay, Sean's in a different phase of life, and I think you were like okay, Andrew's in a different phase of life, and you were looking at the characteristics that I had um, that whatever would ideally lead to a, a career in some field. Uh, I, I'm trying to find the right balance here of, yeah. of saying you need to, you need to look for financial stability, right? But it's yes. not everything. A hundred percent. And 
I will admit too, we have some questions here that I definitely want to answer and get to, but something that I was looking for in a partner back then was quote unquote, that financial stability. I feel like because I had already had my career, because I was already self-sufficient and financially kind of stable, I looked for that as well. Now with Andrew, it was a different story because he was in college and he was a college like kid. I don't want to say kid, but you know what I mean? I was a child. (laughs) And for me, it was just this, um, understanding from the get go of, okay, this guy doesn't like, you're not running your own career already. You're not the CEO of a, of a business. You're like, you're, you're not there yet, but something that I learned about him very, very early on was his ambition and his goals and his drive. And I knew that he was going to be that someday. And again, not that money is everything, but I had that ambition and I wanted it to be matched in a partner. So I looked for that ambition and I saw it. So the way we kind of worked that out early on was a compromise. I He understood that I owned a house. I, you know, had this career. I understood that he was in college. So what we did was we lived a life in a dating world that worked for him. So you're saying you took the backseat to, you fit my lifestyle and didn't expect me to fit your lifestyle. Yes, but I think, yes, but I think that was really important for our relationship because if someone isn't financially there, you can't just like expect them to be like, oh, I still need you to take me to a Michelin star restaurant tonight. That's not, that's not how it would work. Right. And to me, putting money aside, I saw that who you were as a person was someone that I loved and I wanted to spend time with. And so I didn't care about what that looked like in the monetary way. And I think the the underlying message is that it's not necessarily about where you are, how much money you have right now or what your salary is right now. It's more about what are the habits that the person you're dating has? What are the habits that you have? And are they healthy one? And do they match each other too? Because I think, I think you can be healthy financially and spend a lot of money, right? Yes. Like people's budgets are different and it's all relative to a certain extent. Um, but I, I think, if you are, you have the tendency to spend more money than I do. And I'm like a a prude about Mm -hmm. some things, then that might be an indication that, wow, this is, you know, as we grow our life together, 10 years down the line and we have, you know, I think reasonably more, Mm -hmm. um, how is this going to pan out? So it's just something to consider. But again, it's not about where you're at now. It's more about the habits of what you're doing with what you have now. Well, and that leads to the first question that we received. It says, should you have money deal breakers? Mm-hmm. So not about a salary. I don't think it should ever be about, oh, if this person doesn't make this much, then it's a deal breaker for me. But like Andrew said about their habits. And I would say. I would say yes. Yeah. 100%. No, I would. I was getting there. I just didn't know like how to voice it. Yes, I think you should. I don't think it should be like this conversation of, hey, you spend too much money. This isn't going to work. But 
like to spend our free time? What is our dream vacation? How do we see raising children someday? How, what's your dream house look like? And I feel like through those conversations, as well as observing each other's habits, you can get the gist of, are, are we going to align financially? Do yeah. we have the same like levels of ambition and goals? Or are we on polar opposite spectrums? We also had a lot of conversations with, I would come, you know, to Nashville to visit and I would have a new outfit. And it'd be, he would joke and be like, you didn't have to get a new outfit just for me. Like, whatever. And you'd be wearing the same outfit. And I'd be like, you could get a new shirt. Like, I, I don't know. Between us, Sean is definitely more of the spender. I'm more of the saver. Uh, but I think I think looking at a, a couple deal breakers that I can think of is, one, if someone values money too much, yes, whether they have a lot or a little, like that, that kind of approach of desperation where it's like, oh my gosh, I need money and that's the one thing that'll make me happy, could just, you know, Everybody has different values, but if you fast forward that to when you're married and have kids, then probably that approach and that that sense of value that they put in money might not change, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so consider that and how that would affect how you envision raising your kids. Um, and then I think also if they're just reckless or careless, they don't put any thought into what they're spending or there's no logic or intention behind it. Um, Again, habits are hard to break and people's backgrounds, how they're raised uh, are hard to break. So you could look at their parents as well. But those are just a couple potential deal breakers. So another question being, how early is too early to talk about money? Well, people move at different speeds, right? <laughs> so we, we've had friends that met and got married within six months. Um, I think it's, I think there's a certain level of trust that you build, uh, no matter what your timeline is, I would certainly say it's not the first thing you discuss. I think you kind of get to know the person, what their passions are, what, what they care about. Um, and, and then you ease into what's in your wallet. <laughs> we never talked. To, I never, I never said like, how much money do you have, Sean? No, ever. Well, not until we got married that I like really say, okay, now it's in my position to understand where we're at financially together. Which leads us into a whole new topic. So dating, dating, I think it's important to talk about habits, your financial goals, like ladies or guys, is your dream to be a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad? Yeah, that's important. Like that should be talked about because that puts more pressure on your spouse to then... It's just different expectations. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So those things are very important to talk about as far as expectations, dreams, realities, and goals. But going into marriage. Are you looking for a short, educational, and entertaining podcast your kids can listen to while you cook dinner, fold laundry, or just need a few minutes to yourself? Then check out Mysteries About True Histories by Starglow Media. It's so, so cute. I listened to a few episodes and when it was over, I was like, dang, that was really fun. It's made by the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and the Netflix show, Brainchild. So these people know what they're doing. As a little background info, every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning 
really cool. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. So it's perfect for kids ages six and up. There's a new episode every Thursday, each filled with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for us, I think money was kind of um, a big slap in the face when we got engaged and we got close to being married because it was the first time for us, I don't know if you remember this, but it was the first time we talked about money as money. Not as a dream, not as a goal, not as where do we see ourselves, but what is mine? What is yours? What is ours? Mm -hmm. What do we have? And how are we going to co like combine that? Did we wait too long to have that conversation? I I would argue that we did. Yeah. I think I, so think, I think if you are engaged, it should be talked about, if not before. Yeah. Um, because it's awkward. It can be uncomfortable. And it's a very vulnerable thing to talk about. But I think it's very important. It's good to know if you have debt. It's good to know what you are taking on as a couple. Yeah. And for us, when we finally sat down and walked through all of that, we had some differing opinions. We didn't know how to combine things. We didn't know if we should keep separate credit cards. We weren't sure if we should have merged, you know, savings accounts. And like there was a lot to talk through that was very sticky. Here's here's the thing, I think, as far as timing of it, it is one of those topics that is not romantic at all. And it, mm -hmm. and for you, when, when the word finances or money is on the table, like you, you have this visceral negative reaction where it's like, whatever you, you just have a negative connotation to it. Mm -hmm. So I think probably like if you're talking about marriage, it would be helpful to sit down with a third party, yes. whether it's a, a parent or uh, like, like a mentor or, or a counselor like and sit down and just kind of put it on the table. Say here, yes. this is this is where we're at. I think you and I are both an advocate of people making the best decision for them. And so we have on here to talk about prenups, and it's like <laughs> it could it could be depending on the situation. Like okay, uh, Sean is coming to the table with this whole past career, and maybe it does make sense for us to get a prenup. Mm -hmm. We did not do that, mm -hmm. um, but. That was just based off the information that we both had. And we were, I think we were very candid with each other. Granted, probably too late since we <laughs> yeah. had it after marriage. But I do think like, I think during engagement or like right before as you're discussing marriage. Yes. I think if you are talking, like you understood, if you're talking about forever with someone, if you're talking about marriage, then you should be talking about finances. And I also want to put in a little like asterisk here we're going to probably start talking about like our decisions more as we move forward in this podcast. I want you guys to know that like whatever you choose within finances with your spouse, there's no right or wrong. Yeah, yeah. So if you guys keep everything separate and that works for you, great. If you do a prenup, great. We just, when we start talking about like what we chose and why, that's how it worked for our relationship. I think the big takeaway from this conversation is you need to have the conversation so that you can help support each other better 
and have a better understanding as a couple of where your goals are taking you. Mm-hmm. And if you're going in the right direction. So when you do have the conversation about money, yes. let's talk about some of the things that might be helpful to discuss. Yes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sean and I have been open about our journey with marriage counseling, and it's been really helpful for us. We all carry around different stressors, both big and small, and it's important to sort those out so they don't affect your relationship. I agree. And therapy is such a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. We've been meeting with a therapist individually and as a couple, and it's been a great way to sort through any stressors in the week and have better communication about how we're feeling, which is hard to do when you're busy with kids. BetterHelp is an incredible option if you're thinking of giving therapy a try. It's all online, so it's convenient and flexible with your schedule. It's also nice that you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, so you make sure it's a good fit for you. We would highly recommend trying it out. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash EastFam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash EastFam. I think one one major thing you should discuss is debt. What debt do you have? What student loans do you have? What do you need paid off and how much of it? And why is it there? I think that's a great place to start. That is a deep dive straight into the financial conversation. But I've had I've had friends before who had no idea they had like debt in taxes until they were four years into marriage and the wife like had just found out. And so that that's an, that's an issue. You have to work through that. And I think if you can be upfront with mistakes you made, have like mistakes you've made financially or not, it just, it helps each other be better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the discussion of, What's yours, mine, and ours? How are you going to arrange bank accounts and credit cards? As you as you said, the way Sean and I have approached it is we both we each had individual bank accounts mm-hmm. going into it, and then now we both have access to to each other's. Yep. And again, a lot of people probably disagree with that, saying yes. like, "Well, how am I going to everything from how am I going to buy my spouse a gift without them knowing <laughs> yes. to to take like, out cash." To they don't need to see how I'm spending my money, <laughs> yes. but so I think I think we operate off of that one rule of our relationship, which is full transparency. Mm-hmm. And so um, there is it, it's not like we're checking each other's bank accounts or transactions every single day. But um, I think having the door open to potentially do that is a good place for us to start as far as like the foundation of trust and again not for everybody it's not for everybody and we're curious about how you navigate that and why you made that decision but for us it was just like we didn't we didn't really see a downside to be able to just be like all right well i trust you and that being the case i'm going to like open up the whole books yeah well and to give a little more background as to why we ended up deciding that Because I walked into that, like Andrew said, I walked into that um, very against talking about finances. I didn't want to go near it. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want Andrew to see it. I didn't. And that wasn't because of like the money I had or what I had done. That was 100% because I was exposed to money and the stresses it can put on you, your family and your loved ones at such a young age it made me fear that finances would hurt Andrew and I 
not in like the value of it, but just in the idea. And because we, we had, so I don't know if you remember this, we had so many conversations that just ended in me bawling because I was so scared of one, giving up control that it was like the one thing I felt like I had control over in my life. And two, I didn't want it to hurt us. Yeah. Well, there's been plenty of arguments about <laughs> credit cards and I'm, I'm less uh, of the belief that we should have lots of credit cards, uh, spending habits. I'm definitely like on a tighter budget than you, but I mm-hmm. think, I think that's where Sean and I, now it took a lot of arguments, but we have made it to a point where it's like, Oh, actually, you know, even though I live still on my preferences to live on a very small budget, mm-hmm. I see the appreciation of being able to like spend money on things that you actually do value and appreciate. Right. And you, I think because we've had these conversations that started as arguments, but now they're conversations, you see the value of, of whatever, like self-denial and not Mm -hmm. getting everything that you need. Well, and I will say too, early on when I was so emotional about finances and I was so scared by them and intimidated by them, Um, And I started opening up to Andrew when we were engaged about my fear that finances would bring to our relationship and just everything, the history of what I kind of went through with finances. Um, One of the main decisions or one of the main reasons we decided to just blend everything. I was against a prenup because I wanted Andrew in my position. I wanted Andrew to feel Mm -hmm. as though... I had nothing to keep from him or to hide from him. And that was, I left that to be your decision. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And you had no pressure on me to do that. You had no pressure on me either way. It was out of a hundred percent respect. But again, I think I probably need some sort of therapy from finances as a child. Um, I think one of those was I had felt like finances controlled um, respect and love within a family. And with a prenup, I felt like I was, I was hurting my spouse. It might not yours, but it, I just felt like it was for us. So I didn't, I, we didn't, or we decided not to to do that. But in the decision to blend everything, it was me giving up control, unhealthy amounts of control, um, and trusting Andrew to kind of hold my hand and take me through everything in a way that would heal our relationship with money. Yeah. So the other thing was you were in a position where you had this career, but you didn't necessarily like you weren't very disciplined in bookkeeping. And I was, no. I was, I was in a position where when I let you decide whether we were going to get a prenup or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we should probably do a whole episode on prenups and the, the benefits and downsides <laughs> of them. But I was the one who's more financially disciplined or aware, you could mm-hmm. say. And so I think I think that kind of helped you trust me to like come in and it's not like you had the money and I was the reckless spender. So I think we were fortunate in that sense yeah, where very. it was okay, you like you trusted me not to just ruin everything that you had worked for. Mm-hmm. Well, and but, I, I also don't want to be that person on this podcast that's so vague about my background that you're like, what is it? Um, I think I, I put so, because I signed with an agent at such a young age, I think I put and learned 
that respect and value came from how much I made. I just felt a pressure as a child that my worth in society was based off of the number in my bank account. So I had a very unhealthy relationship that I was afraid to look at my bank account. I didn't want to know how much I had. If I dropped under a certain number, I felt depressed. It was just, it was just a very unhealthy relationship to an identity and a monetary value. Um, Last thing I'll say is I I do think by the time we got married, we were ultimately coming to the relationship with kind of equal contributions, Mm -hmm. which um, again, not everybody has that. I would say. And I think it should be mentioned that a prenup was on the table for you as well. Before marriage thing to discuss would be how much does like, are, are you going to be able to pay for a kid? Like if that's on the table and you don't have if you don't have any money, the average cost of a child these days is $233,610 to raise a child to age 18. That's according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which is wild. It is wild. Right. And so if you want to have 80 kids, (laughs) that's granted, not every child is going to cost that much, but that is the average. So it's a number to consider. Yeah. And think about, okay, how does, if there are not a lot of career ambitions or if the, whatever, like the, the value of money isn't there, how is that going to affect your family planning? Mm -hmm. So, so takeaways from what we have learned is it can be stressful to talk about money when you're buying a house, when you're moving into an apartment, when you're talking about rent or a budget for groceries each week, or gas, or how much you pay for a manicure, or a pedicure, or for a membership to a gym, all of it. But I think the healthiest way to go about it within your relationship is to talk about it. Don't hide it. Don't try to like sneak around it. Don't try to just say, oh, it's fine. He won't see it, or she won't see it. Yeah. It just doesn't lead down a, a path that you want. So the more open you can be, even in talking about splurging and being like, I know this is excessive and I know this is unnecessary, but I would really love to buy this shirt or go on this vacation. Like have those conversations. The more you can talk about it, the more um, not taboo it becomes and easier it becomes to talk about. Yeah. So I, I would say a general rule of thumb is problems uh, get worse with time as if they're not discussed. Yeah. Right. So I think just admitting to any mistakes that you've made in the past or that you're currently making and being like, that is the purpose of a marriage is to like acknowledge people have, uh, bad habits. People make mistakes and, uh, they will continue to make mistakes, but how can we continue to support each other and ultimately correct some of those mistakes in the future. Um, some of the habits that Sean and I have grown to adopt are, uh, we, we have a big kind of financial goal setting every year, Mm -hmm. which we did a whole podcast on our goal setting. And we mentioned finances in that. We talk Um, about how much we want to give, how much we would like to make. Yeah. What the sacrifice of making that much money will do to our family or vice versa. How much we want to save and invest and et cetera. Um, 
and then it, you know, also talking about taxes and what last year's looked like, what next year's is going to look like, just kind of putting it on the table, seeing where we're at and what this next year is going to look like. Um, we do have kind of a threshold that we try <laughs> to respect as much as possible. Yes. Um, where if, if an item costs under that threshold, the, no approval is needed. Right. But yeah. I do think it's probably healthy to, to have whatever your number is to be like, all right, if you're looking at spending a hundred dollars, then mm-hmm. it's probably worth like asking your spouse yes. if that's okay. And if that can fit in the budget. Um, and again, you're not asking for permission, but you're respecting each other enough to say, Hey, this is our life. This is our money. How do you feel about this? Yeah. 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 And we, think- we just kind of have spending allotments per month mm-hmm. built into the budget. I also think too, something with that kind of asking and talking about it is it tends to make you realize that you either really want something or you really don't, mm-hmm. which has been really good. Yeah. And then we mentioned that we also have separate accounts so that we can each kind of feel um, as much as we want independent in that sense. But uh, we we do have access to each other's mm-hmm. that it's rarely it's rarely checked by the other person, right? Yeah. Like probably never, but the fact that I know that you can log into my bank account, like holds me accountable to mm-hmm. a certain extent. So, um, yeah, those are, those are some of our habits. We would love to hear any other habits that you guys find helpful. Um, also we would love to hear things that we might be doing, uh, wrong that we could do better on. So let us know. And, we are here to just share how we do things uh, in hopes that we could start a conversation and really help couples and families connect on a deeper level. And so finances is definitely an important topic when it comes to that. But do you have anything else to add, babe? I would just say, don't be intimidated by it. It's in the grand scheme of things. It's like your finances isn't going to shadow your love for each other. So just be open and we're I'll say this you shouldn't let it shadow your love for each other if you approach it correctly and you understand that money is not the end-all be-all of life which is how we approach it um but it it is important to obviously be disciplined with it and and consider the decisions you're making uh it won't overshadow your love so the idea is to not let it yes so talk about it more feel a freedom with talking about it more because I feel like with us, the more we talked, the more liberated I feel and or I felt and being able to just live life and not be controlled by it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And and uh, if you don't feel like you can talk about this with your partner, like it's probably worth um, and, and you want to, it's probably worth seeking uh, professional help in the form of a counselor. But, you know, there's little things that can go a long way, too, is, you know, Sean, I, I think Sean felt nervous about money because she didn't necessarily understand how really it works mm-hmm. no offense but i've tried i've tried to do my best to like teach you and coach you and like go through this together any meetings that we have like you're included in them and i think that's made you feel more confident and comfortable talking about it so um that's all we have hope you enjoyed this episode again if you made it this far then uh we'd appreciate if you subscribed and we'll see you next week this is one of Sean and I's solo episodes, we do interviews, we do these sit downs with just Sean and I, and then we also do live streams. So um, all things you can look forward to. Give the show a rating uh, if you enjoyed it and 
see you next week. That's all we got. This is the East Fam. Out. All right, real quick for all of those listening out there, we don't ask for a lot of favors, I don't think, babe, do we? No. But we're going to ask you a favor today, all right? If you're listening to Couple Things Podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically, will you please do us this short, quick favor? We want to make sure you're staying up to date with our show, and Apple's latest iOS update has paused downloads for many listeners, and some of you have expressed our latest episodes aren't being recommended to you on Apple Podcasts anymore. So here's how to make sure you're getting your episode. And again, this is for Apple Podcasts specifically. Open up that podcast app on your iPhone. Search Couple Things and tap Our Shows icon. And then in the top right corner, you might see a plus follow symbol. If you do, tap it to resume following the show. If you get a prompt to, quote, turn on automatic downloads, say yes. That way... You'll get all of the episodes. Thank you so much, guys. We're so glad this update was brought to our attention because we want to make sure we're reaching as many of you as we can. Love y'all, and we really appreciate you doing this.